Hey there, welcome to Pickled Parables. This podcast is presented by Parable Ministries as a Bible teaching resource. Thank you for joining us. Pickled Parables is a podcast about taking in and living out the Bible. Here we will study, contemplate, and testify to the Bible's incredible teachings and how it leads us to live better lives. To stay up to date with all things Parable, follow us on Instagram at parable underscore ministries and visit our website at parableministries.com. We hope today's message finds you well. Well, hello and welcome. My name is Elijah Olander, and just to give a brief intro as to who I am, uh, right now I'm currently a student at Phoenix Seminary, and I live up here in beautiful and right now a 64 degrees Prescott, Arizona, uh, with my amazing wife, Gabby. And just for those who re- regularly listen, listen to the show, um, I'm good buddies with Michael Rogers, who's also had the privilege to share here on Pickled Parables. And uh, so with that, I just want to thank the team for allowing me to share some thoughts uh, that I've been studying uh, for this podcast. Um, and so uh, just another thing about me, I, I love God's Word. I'm obviously in seminary to study God's Word, and I want people to grow in the knowledge of, of the Word so that they know Jesus better, so that they can love Him more deeply, and therefore just live the Christian life uh, the way that we ought to. Uh, so just with that forewarning, I'm going to be sharing a lot of Scripture. And so um, I'm just going to go ahead and read a text and then get into what we're going to talk about today. So uh, I'm going to be reading from James chapter 3, verses 7 through 12. And it says, For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I get into a lot of trouble with what I say. Uh, and no matter how hard I try, there's no possible way I can get control of what I say on my own. And so I think James is absolutely right here when he says that not a human being, in the ESV is which I'm reading from, uh, no human being can tame the tongue. James also here explains that our tongue is so untamable that uh, we, we contradict. We say blessings and cursings out of the same mouth. Uh, talk about not having control over what we say. To bring even further common condemnation on ourselves, James, uh, just before this, explains that the tongue, though being a small part of the body, is like a little spark that sets an entire forest ablaze. And it's like a bridle in a, in a horse's mouth, a small little piece of metal that causes a big, massive horse to move. Uh, so what are we supposed to do? Doesn't James say that we can't control or tame this uncontrollable monster that we call our tongues? Why does James even bother telling us that we're doomed for, forever doomed to having corrupted speech? Well, first of all, James is using an analogy here. So remember that he is a Jewish Christian. And Jews commonly would attribute blame to a specific member of the body. Think of Jesus, who was also a Jewish man. Uh, He would say in Matthew, if your eye causes you to sin or your hand causes you to sin, cut your hand off or pluck your eye out. Uh, Similar type of uh, just language here, uh, the use of analogy. Uh, So in a similar way, 
James, the brother of Jesus, here, is arguing that the tongue, or, in other words, what we say, is a great indicator of our fallenness and sinful heart condition. Remember what Jesus says in Matthew 15:11. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a person. So what we say is merely a display of where our hearts are truly at. That's why James says it's untamable and uncontrollable. It's because we first need to have a change of heart. And if we ever want to have better control over our words, we first need to recognize that it is, it is our sinful hearts that cause us to do and say things we really ought not to. We can't blame outside circumstances for the things we say. James makes it, clear, makes it clear that it's our own hearts. God created us to reflect him, and he has not, nor will he ever say anything that he regrets. Uh, must be nice. <laughs> if we ever want to reflect him and his character, and therefore have changed hearts that have good, controlled tongues, we first need to pray, just like David does in Psalm 141, verse 3, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep a watch over the door of my lips. We first need to just simply ask God, uh, Lord, control what I say. Holy Spirit, give me the words to say when I should speak. Help me to restrain my lips when I shouldn't speak. And after that, uh, we need to earnestly take God's word, understand it, and apply it to ourselves. Now, fortunately, the Bible is extensive, big time, on the subject of how we use our tongues. Uh, While I I love God's word, I don't want to bombard you with too many verses. Uh, At the same time, I still don't want to deprive you of a lack of biblical wisdom at the same time. So, uh, each point may have a couple of verses, so bear with me as I just try to share straight from Scripture, not trying to give you my opinions, but what the Lord has to say, uh, pun intended there, uh, to uh, shape the way we speak, essentially. So, um, here are five ways God uses His Word to tame our tongues. Number one. We give credibility to our tongues with an integrity-filled life. Now I'm just going to share you a verse and explain it and how it applies to what's going on here. So, 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 8. Uh, here Paul says, So be, being affectionately desirous of you, we, went, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. Uh, this was a really helpful verse that my, my pastor uh, gave me, and it really was, we were talking about marriage at the time, but it, it still applies just with daily living, especially when we're trying to be Christians out here, uh, not only uh, living a good life, but also ones to proclaim the goodness of God. So um, simply here, just it, it wasn't just that Paul stopped by the church of Thessalonica, um, he preached to them and just went up and left. No, he gave his his life. So here, I mean, it, it means his his time and service to these people. He he let people know who he was. He got to know who the Christians in Thessalonica were, uh, and and that just built credibility to what he was saying. Uh, it wasn't just that he, like I said, just went up to them and talked to them and and left and told them what to do. No, he he displayed uh, what. A, a Christian life looks like and backed it up with what he's saying. Um, and then he also shares, obviously, here to, to Titus. He, uh, so chapter 2, verses 7 through 8, I'm going to go ahead and read it. It says, show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. So backing up what you're saying by being a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned 
so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. So, if you want to build up your credibility in sharing the gospel and uh, proclaiming who God is, you you have to back it up with good works. Um, and then when you're what well, you have to practice what you preach. Essentially, if we're gonna tell people to turn to God, repent, uh, and, and follow Christ, you know we have to show what a life for Christ looks like. Uh, you might not always have the time to do that uh, when you're just meeting someone on the street and telling them about Jesus, but in the middle of that, be respectful to uh, who you're who you're sharing with. And uh, this goes also. Uh, Paul writing here is is writing here to a pastor, so someone who's in a leadership position. He is Titus is called to encourage, rebuke, correct, um, teach uh, his his flock on on the Christian life and who God is, and so. He has that opportunity to share his life and to to be a man of integrity. It, it backs up what he's saying. His his Titus's words will mean so much more, and our words will mean so much more uh, when we are men and women of integrity. So yeah, point number one: uh, we give credibility to our tongues with an integrity-filled life. Uh, point number two: we don't always have to use our tongues right away. Uh, Proverbs seventeen twenty-seven through twenty-eight says this. He who restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. So, first of all, let's just think about this. Someone who is an absolute fool looks so much smarter when he's just not going around babbling around everything. I'm sure we might know people who are like that. Maybe maybe they're not necessarily the most Christ-like or they're not a Christian at all, and they they are fools, uh, you know, especially biblically speaking. And yet we look at them and kind of go, man, he doesn't go around just throwing his words out into the air and hoping that everyone cares what he has to say. He kind of seems like a good guy. <laughs> uh, I, I've met people like that and... Uh, yeah, I, even on Christians, there's people I know who live crazy lives apart from Christ, yet they they look like they have integrity just because they, they don't talk a whole lot. Um, but the principle for us here as Christians is that there will be times when it's simply, it, we want to just, like I said, babble and make people uh, hear us. We might even be right. But we really, there are going to be times it's better to just sit back and listen. So whether it's a group or you're meeting one-on-one with someone, be a person that listens first. And James says earlier, be, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Uh, we, we don't have to throw our words out there um, willy-nilly. We need to be calculated in, in, in when we speak. And like I said, you might even be right. Uh, but I know there's people who are smart and even wise and, and godly people, but sometimes they just come across as a bit of a know-it-all. Um, actually, you know what? I'm not even going to say some other people. I know I'm known to be like that. Uh, I <laughs> just want to let people know I know biblical truth sometimes. I could be trying to help somebody, but just throwing words out there and not sitting back and listening, I come across as a know-it-all, and I'm less effective for the people I'm trying to help. Uh, another verse that comes to mind here is Proverbs 15:23, and it says, a man has joy in an apt answer. How delightful is a timely word. And so, like I said earlier, I, I come across as a know-it-all. I'm also a fixer by nature. I just want to provide you know, suggestions and solutions for people. I, I think I have it all together, and I have the right ideas to give people, so I just want to tell them. Um, but 
I need to learn how to wisely decide when to offer and how to offer a helpful suggestion. Um, Sometimes people do not want you to just give them a solution and walk away. They want you to just sit and listen. And then when you have the time and opportunity to give them a timely word, as it says here, uh, an apt answer, as it also says, that's going to hold so much more weight when you are calculated on when you decide to give out a suggestion. Um, and so here, actually, you know, this point is is uh, that we don't always have to use our tongues right away. Uh, this next point is going to sort of really tie into that, help us decide when and how we offer suggestions. And that's going to be that we use our tongues to investigate first, not instigate first. So point number three, I'll say it again. We use our tongues to investigate first, not instigate first. So Proverbs 25 or 20 verse 5 says, The purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. So the picture of this, this verse is, uh, man, think of a well. There could be a man who, who has plans, and, and that's the purpose here in this verse, um, has plans and, and a will and a desire and maybe even wisdom too. But it's it's the man of understanding that knows how to draw that out. And uh, it, think of this this well. This man is this well. And you're standing at the end of the well and you have a bucket. Uh, a wise person will take the time to take that bucket and reach it as far down into that well as possible and draw out that water. Uh, it's, a, it's essentially saying we, we, we ask questions. We try to understand people's intentions. It's wise to search out a person's intentions. Um, and this can only be done by asking well-meaning questions. Don't ask questions for the sake of, you know, you're trying to, you know, make a point by asking a question essentially, but uh, humble questions to understand who you're speaking with. Uh, we ought to grow to in a desire to understand other people. It'll help us share the gospel. It'll help us counsel people better. And really, it, it'll help avoid uh, making assumptions of people. I mean, if you are married like I am, and you're in an argument, and you want to make a point, and it's uh, far-fetched, and it has nothing to do with what your wife is talking about, or the person you're in an argument with is talking about, well, it's most likely because you just made an assumption on what they were thinking. So uh, don't do that. Ask a lot of questions. See see where they're at. Don't be empathetic and try to, you know, uh, limit or play down someone's sin, but sometimes you just need to understand where someone might be coming from, even if they are being a sinful person. And then you can offer a better solution for them when, when you have drawn out uh, that, that water from that well. And this is a special note for the guys. I'm going to read you 1 Peter 3, 7. So if you're married, planning on getting married, or hoping to get married someday, um, I'm going to read this verse and then explain how it applies to uh, just being an investigative person, not an instigating person. Uh, it says here, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Now I'm just going to hit on the living with your wives in an understanding way. And this was struck really well in, in my heart when I was speaking with my pastor, just on being able to be better at offering solutions for my wife, Gabby. And uh, he was just explaining to me that the 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 word understanding, being an, living with her in an understanding way, is is the Greek word gnosko, uh, meaning just gathering knowledge. Uh, first, you know, if we want to offer helpful solutions for our wives, um, to be able to understand her weaknesses and her strengths and where she needs encouragement, where she needs rebuke, is is just 
asking her questions, getting to know who she is, where she's coming from. Um, at that point, you know, uh, we are showing honor because we're, we're showing that we care. Um, so yeah, just a quick little tidbit for the, for the guys, um, live with your wives or your future wives in an understanding way. Ask her questions, sympathize with her. She is, she is not the same kind of person that we are. We're logical and they're more fluid, um, as far as their thinking goes. And we want to just give them solutions and tell them what to do and what not to do. And sometimes it's, it's just so much more nuanced than that. So with that, uh, let's, you know, point number three, I'll remind you guys again, we use our tongues to investigate first, not instigate first. And uh, once we get to that point, we want to use our tongues, point number four, use our tongues to build up and not tear down. A super popular verse that uh, one that Gabby and I have tried to memorize and uh, we haven't memorized, but don't always put it to practice and we probably need to memorize it some more. It's going to be uh, this right here. Uh, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. So did a little bit of studying on the, the word corrupting. Other translations say unwholesome, but I, I love correct the word corrupting here because the word itself is dealing with something that's rotten. We as Christians are not a people of rottenness. And so when we throw out words that are, are rotten, they it's like throwing, uh, um, I don't know, let's, let's think of an analogy here. You have a, a, a disease in your hand and this, this rotting word is that disease and you throw this vat or goop of disease on someone and that causes them to rot. Uh, we do not want to be thrown rottenness at us. Why would we want to throw rottenness at other people? Uh, so whether our words are encouragement instruction or even correction we have to ask ourselves is what i'm about to say going to cause them to love god and love people more or not uh, when we're corrupting people we're pointing them away from god we're pointing them away from uh living a christian life uh horizontally as well as vertically uh, we don't want to do that um this isn't to say here that we just say everything nice and what everyone wants to hear. Uh, it's, Paul says here, uh, words that are good for building up. And so you can say things that are confrontational, corrective, rebuking, that do build people up. But remember, it, it's, a, it's a process almost. We have to investigate. We have to get where they're coming from. We, we don't need to just throw out rebukes. We don't need to always be talking... We need to, like I said, you know, understand where people are coming from, who they are, what they think, where their relationship is at with the Lord. Um, gosh, as a married man, sometimes you need to know that uh, sometimes your wife is going to be tired or even hungry or hangry, I should say. Us too, as guys, we can be tired, uh, grumpy, muscle aches, and it can cause us to... Uh, be irritable and not ready to listen to rebuke and correction. So sometimes you could say something that is right and it's not always going to build up uh, because we're, we're not timing it. And that's where Paul says, as it fits the occasion. So uh, there's, there's going to be times where we can have words that we would think are building up. But again, calculate when and how you're going to encourage people and even rebuke and correct. And last, so yeah, 
Point number four again, I love to remind you guys on the point so you keep track. We use our tongues to build up and not tear down. So, number five, and I think this is most important because it's what we were made for. Point number five, we use our tongues to proclaim his glory. Psalm 105 verse 1 says, Give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the nations. So we see two things in this verse. One, we use our tongues to simply praise God for who he is and what he's done. We were made to glorify him, as I said earlier. And since we're saved, we have all the more reason to thank him and glorify him. And two, we are to make known his deeds among the nations. While this was a psalm, it was written by David, and this was before Jesus came, uh, we understand looking back uh, that we can go and we take this verse and understand that we go into the world and make Christ known among the nations. Um, we go in, out and proclaim the good news that Jesus has come, lived, died, rose again, and now sits at the right hand of the Father and is coming again. It's, it's the good news. We're called to do that. Matthew 28, the Great Commission, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to do all that I have commanded you. Uh, we can't do that by just our actions. This can only be done with words, whether you're saying them out, out of your mouth or you're typing them on your computer or on your phone. Just, I know there's a phrase, preach the gospel at all times. Use words when necessary. That is not a cop-out to think that just being a good Christian and standing out from you know, your, your friends at school or work is going to save them. It's, it's not the same as sharing the gospel. Uh, the point of that uh, quote here is is to show that we we back up the work of the gospel in our own lives by looking different from the world. Uh, we give, like I said, in or we're called, you know, to to give credibility to our words with our integrity. How much more are we to give credibility credibility to the gospel with lives that are that are changed? Uh, we want to make the gospel as real as it is by showing a really changed life about how good God is. At the end of the day, he he deserves the glory. So yeah, with that, I just want to run back down the five ways God can change our tongues. And I uh, also just want to encourage you, you know, I gave you a quick overview, kind of a 30,000 foot view of just how God changes the way we speak. Um, but I would, yeah, just go to the word if this is something that really applies to something you need. Uh, go to the word. Look at various other scriptures that that deal with how we speak and what we do with our, our tongues, with our with our words. So yeah, sorry. With that, I'll go back to these five points. Uh, number one, we give credibility to our tongues with an integrity-filled life. We don't always have to use our tongues right away. We use our tongues to investigate first, not instigate first. Four, we use our tongues to build up not tear down. And lastly, number five, we use our tongues to proclaim God's glory. And uh, so, yeah, with that, um, I just want to thank the guys over at Pickled Parables for letting me jump in here and and share what I thought. And I want to thank you guys for listening. And I I do pray that me as well as you guys, just we grow in our ability to speak in a way that honors the Lord and loves on people. And yeah. Thanks for having me on here. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to Pickled Parables. If you enjoyed this message, please rate us, subscribe, and share with your friends. If you're interested in more things like this, check out our secondary podcast called My Dusky Bible. 
To stay up to date with all things Parable, follow us on Instagram at parable underscore ministries and visit our website at parableministries.com. Parable is a volunteer organization and we would deeply appreciate your prayers. Thank you for joining us today. We'll catch you later.